Well, our live stream broadcast is going incredibly well, but we need your help. Um, we are broadcasting all over the place, both local and faraway places. And between our YouTube channel and our website, there are around 300 or so people, not even people, but devices that are logged on, which could be twice that number with couples watching. And so we really don't know how many people are actually engaged in our live stream, but we're always glad to have our online community as part of our, our, our church family. And uh, our problem is, and I just went in there today to see our tech team, there's a small group of awesome people who are serving, and we need a larger group of people to serve. And so um, it's really important that we get the message out, that we expand our reach, that we do this broadcast as well as we can. And if you've had a chance to see it, it is live stream now and then pre-recorded, not pre-recorded, recorded, and then put on our website and uh, on our YouTube channel. So you can go there and check it out. It is done extremely well. Now you might be sitting here today and saying, well, I don't have a technical capacity. We will train you. And uh, we will help you do your part. And whether you're you know, man managing or monitoring a, a, a camera or helping with a switcher, there's a group of four or five people underneath this riser right now, and they're having a great time forming community together. And if by chance you're part of our live stream community, we're inviting you to come and to be behind the screen, but here, so you can make a contribution to getting the message out. So if you're interested, and I hope you are, reach out to Pastor Al, and uh, you can find his contact information on our website, and we will get you involved, and we will adequately train you, and you'll be right here enjoying the worship gathering just under that riser there. There's lots of oxygen. We'll feed you. There's lots of... And uh, it'd be a wonderful way of, of making a contribution. So I hope you'll consider that. So we are continuing our series called Voices. And if you were with us last week, we talked about how there is like a cacophony of voices that come to us, a tsunami, so to speak, that can flood us out. And we talked about what it looks like for us to turn down the volume. Um, it's important that we turn down certain voices so that we can hear the most important voice. And so what we're going to talk about today is kind of tuning our ears to the frequency of a guiding voice, the guiding voice of the Spirit. And uh, what we'll end up doing today is creating a bit of a biblical platform for us to understand the ways by which God speaks, to kind of um, remind ourselves what it looks like to lean in and, and listen and then some of the uh, tried, tested, and true practices for us to be able to discern the time and, and the what behind uh, God's next assignment for us. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you and I, in the midst of a firestorm of complications or complexity, with a myriad of forks in the road that invites us to go here or there, if there was a sense of confidence that would emerge in us, that we would have... Maybe not certainty, because faith and certainty are not um, synonymous. But if we would have a strong measure of confidence, believing that it's something that God has put in our hearts. It's something that he's doing to direct us in a certain, a certain course. Um, recently, there was something that came to me, and it kept coming to me. And it wouldn't leave me. And I talked to my wife about it, Pia, and we were chatting, and, and we just decided maybe, maybe not, but it persisted. And it wouldn't let me go, and it kept coming back to me. And then finally I said, you know, this, this won't leave me. I'm going to take a step out there and believe that there's more going on than just me who's kind of a little bit obsessed with this idea. 
And I stepped out and did something, and then it didn't take long for the Lord to backfill where I knew very, very clearly that what I actually was thinking about and listening for was God himself. So it didn't come with a voice to my physical ears, but it was an idea that wouldn't leave me alone. Have you ever had one of those? An idea that wouldn't leave you alone until you did something about it. There's almost a a sense in which God's spirit is incredibly persistent. Um, He doesn't harass us, but he consistently and gently moves us. And until we act accordingly, we'll still feel this appropriate, can I call it gentle pressure? that will come. And sometimes we won't have all the information, we won't have the beginning and the end all clearly laid out for us, but there'll be a sense in which I know what the next step looks like. And you act on it, and it leads to another door that opens, and another one, and you look back and you say, it truly was God who was guiding and directing me. Do you still believe that God guides today? Do you still believe God speaks today? Uh, There's a psalm that says, he who made the eye, can he not see? He who made the ear, can he not hear? He who formed the mouth, can he not speak? Because if we come to terms with the fact that we can see, but he can't, we can hear, but he can't, we can speak, but he can't, then the creature is greater than the creator. That's what the psalmist is writing. And so he's using like this reverse logic to say, you have capacity to do these things. Do you not think the creator who is the almighty who formed you with these capacities that he also can do these things? Where we get into difficulty is trying to discern and gain clarity around is this God or is this me? And sometimes it's we have a dream in the night and it's like did I have too many anchovies on my pizza or is this God speaking to me? And that's not always easy to discern. But when we are indwelled by the Spirit, and that may not be all of us today or all of us who are watching online, but those of us who've put our saving faith in Jesus, you have every confidence to believe that God's Spirit is in you, and it is his sanctifying Spirit. And he is moving us in directions, not just to do the things he wants us to do, though that's important. He is moving us in certain directions and asking us to listen for him because he wants to form us into his people. And I love what John Ortberg says. He says it better than me. He says, God's purpose in guiding is not to get us to perform the right actions, though the right actions matter. His purpose is to help us become the right kind of people. I love that. When God speaks... He's doing it because he's inviting us, and sometimes to take a step of faith, to trust him. To trust him. And not to trust him that everything will work out happily ever after in the end, but to trust him that he's good, and that he will be there for you even when it's hard. So sometimes he will lead us. The Spirit, in Matthew chapter 4, led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted for 40 days. It wasn't a trip to an all-inclusive five-star resort in the Caribbean. It was out in the wilderness to be tempted by the evil one for 40 days. The Spirit leads us. So our passage to ponder, if you're able, would you stand with me this morning? It's the same one we read last week from Hebrews chapter 3. And so uh, with a voice loud enough for your neighbor to hear, would you recite? And even if you're with us online today, for those in the room, and perhaps you're all alone, it's okay to hear your own voice. So let's say this together. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today 
so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Here's one of the challenges, and the writer of Hebrews says it. Hard hearts can lead to hard of hearing. And hardness of hearing can lead to hard hearts. And um, the most unfortunate thing about a hardened heart is it doesn't serve the person whose heart has become hardened very well. When we remain sensitive, pliable, when we still have all the nerve endings of the soul in play, where we can feel the pain of others and feel a sensitivity to the spirit of God and to the people of God, things generally go better for us. Who wants to make their way in this world feeling numb? We want to make our way in the world feeling as much as possible. And so a hard heart doesn't serve us well. And the hardening of the heart is incremental. You hear this word around King Street if you've been here a little while. Spiritual growth, becoming more like Jesus, is incremental. We call it a spirituality that's incremental here. But so is the hardening of the arteries of our spiritual heart. It's one decision at a time. Never forget this. The first compromise is always the hardest. The second and third and fourth and 14th and 34th is always easier. When our hearts become hard, we become hard of hearing, and then we become much more prone to being reckless in the world. And when we live recklessly, we actually hurt ourselves and others. Okay, so uh, let me just lay two quick biblical foundational passages for us as we talk about a voice that guides, which is the Spirit's voice. Um, Paul writes to a church, first century, Galatians chapter 5, so I say, he writes, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. In other words, we have a choice. We can let him guide us, or we can resist his guidance. And then he goes on and says, here's one of the ways this works. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. There's an antagonism going on. So you are not free. If you want to be free, you listen to the guiding voice of the Spirit. If you want to be held captive, do what your evil desires invite you to do. He says, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. And then this passage that was read earlier, John chapter 10, foundational passage for us this morning. Very truly, the words of Jesus, I tell you, Pharisees, religious leaders of the day, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, there is a way in, but climbs in by some other way, that person is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. In other words, he has something to say. He calls his own sheep by name. You are known. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them. He leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, because he's the leader, we're the follower. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. 
He calls them by name. You are known by God. I asked Pia this the other day. I don't know why. Sometimes my mind works in certain ways. But I said, do you think when it's all over and we're with God on the other side that I'll still be David? And because there is a, a verse in the book of Revelation that says we'll have a new name written on a stone and God will give it to us. So there's a sense in which I wonder if by the way we conduct ourselves in this world from a virtuous, courageous, faith-filled point of view, God will say, David, Ken and Diane Larmer named you this, but I am naming you that because this is who you are. Perhaps, or perhaps I'll always be David. Either way, God knows me by name. He knows you by name. And that passage is huge for us because the shepherd knows the sheep. The question is, do the sheep know the shepherd? Are we looking for him to lead us, to guide us, to provide for us, to direct us? Or are we just kind of doing our own thing? See, when the scriptures call us sheep, it's not really complimentary. Sheep are prone to wander. Sheep are not the most intelligent creatures in the world. They may think they are, but they're actually not. And so he says, listen, I'm going to reference you as a sheep, and I'm going to be the good shepherd. I'm a whole different qualitatively descriptive sense over here, and you're going to be over here. You're going to be equated to like a four-footed animal that doesn't know the left from the right and falls into ditches and falls over and but I'm going to call you by name. You're loved. And then later in the passage, I'll give up my life for the sheep. So he doesn't ridicule us and make fun of us and condescend, you know, speak condescendingly to us. But he says, you need some outside direction because guess what? Headline for all of us in this room, we don't know everything. Have you had a time in your life when you thought you knew more than you did? As I'm getting older, I'm realizing this isn't just something to say. I'm realizing how much I don't know and how much I think if I try to figure things out and solve all my problems, I often can complicate them and make them more more difficult. So you step back and you say, the one who knows more than me, I invite you in. I have a fork in the road. I don't know to go left or to go right. I ask you to guide me and direct me. So let's build, if I can, in about 20 minutes, a brief summary, biblical theology around the guiding voice of the Spirit. Ready for this? All right, that was the introduction, Pastor Gary, just the intro. All right, so here we go. Number one, uh, developing an awareness of the way God speaks. Can we talk about that for just a moment? And we're going to get really, really practical. By the time we're done, we might even talk about your dreams. I, I like that. Okay, we can have coffee after and talk some more if you would like, but... Developing an awareness of the way God speaks. Um, God is not one-dimensional in his approach to speaking with us. He is multifaceted beyond the capacity for us to trace out, but he does give us little clues in scripture on how he goes about speaking to us. So here's the posture by which God adopts when he speaks with us. Here's the first one I've got four, and then we'll go to our next theme. Okay, so here it is. The first one is he invites us. When God speaks with us, when God guides us, he provides an invitation Come to me, Jesus says, Matthew chapter 11. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that invitation by Jesus. He says, come to me. 
And by the way, he's not trying to sell us on it, but he says, those of you who come to me, here's what you can expect. If you're worn out, burnt out, I'll give you rest. Heavy loads, I'm not going to give you a heavy load. Now, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me. But here's the beautiful thing about God. His guiding voice, he doesn't pressure us in some sort of unhealthy, um, kind of militant, aggressive way. He makes space for us. Invitations that make room for us to choose to respond the way we feel inclined to respond. Many of us in this room have responded, and we continue to respond. But God guides us by inviting us. I love that about God. He's not high-pressure tactic kind of God. I hope you never feel high-pressure tactic at King Street Community Church. If you ever feel high-pressure tactic here, we are out of step with the way God speaks. So he's invitational. Come to me. Secondly, he does direct us. He does direct us. At other times, he's much more clear, and he is much more directional. Um, In the Sermon on the Mount, there's this pattern that shows up over and over again, and scholars tell us that it resembles the Mosaic um, format of how God spoke through Moses in the first law delivery on on Mount Sinai. Because Jesus will say over and over again, you've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, but I tell you. And he was really going after the oral tradition of the day that had lost the spirit of the commandments. And so he says things like, um, do not worry. That's directional. He says things like, uh, do not pray like the hypocrites. They love to be seen standing in their synagogues. He says, do not store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy, right? Where thieves break in and steal. He says, do not judge. That's not consistent with our job description. So there are times when God's guiding us, he's very directional. He places some limits around our behavior. He asks us to avoid things, and he asks us to do things, because it's always, and always remember this, it's always so, so good for us to avoid certain things and to practice certain things. And so there are times when God will use his inviting or his invitational way to guide us. He'll invite us to come along. There's times he will be very clear and he will direct us. And then, I love this about God too, he empowers us. We are no longer slaves in Egypt. Isn't that good news? We are free people. In Mount Sinai, when the law was given, God says through Moses, You're no longer enslaved people. And then he gives them the commandments. So it's not like he's placing this heavy load on us. He's saying, I want to keep you free. And so he gives them the law. But God is incredibly empowering with us. Um, There's a, a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. At the end of that chapter, verse 39. Paul's writing and he's giving instructions about marriage. And then he gets to the end and he says, by the way, there are some widows in your community. Their husband has died. And he says, by the way, she's no longer bound. She can marry again. And then he says, oh, by the way, she must belong to the Lord. She's free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. So here's again this protective thing saying, I don't want you to go and marry outside the faith because it's going to create so many complications for you. There'll be a tug of war when it comes to raising your kids, but you're free. Who are you attracted to? Who do you like? Who do you want to spend the remainder of your life with? You get to choose. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And then in Genesis chapter one, I love this about God because you know that I love animals and God makes all these creatures 
And he brings them to Adam and, and he says, listen, I got all these beautiful creatures that he made. God thought them up, spoke them into existence. There they are. They're coming, parading by, Mo, by, by Adam. And he says to Adam, name the creatures whatever name you want to give them. Imagine entrusting to people to say, you get to choose the name. You know, Ken and Diane Larmer, Diane Larmer got to choose David. I was either going to be an Adam or a David. They went with David. I thought that was a good call. <laughs> but every parent gets to choose a name for a child that might last between here and the other side. Maybe. But God gives Adam, as he parades the animals by, what do you want to name this one? Giraffe. Elephant. Right? Cat. Dog. Oh, dog. Yes. <laughs> right? God shares, he shares his decision-making power. He gives us freedom. Now, here's the last one, and this is a bit of a challenge. He superintends us. Because somewhere between God's sovereignty, we didn't get to choose who our parents would be, did we? We didn't get to choose what time in history we would be born. We didn't get to choose what part of the planet we would be born on. And there are a host of other things that have happened in your life that are wonderful and some not so wonderful that were way outside your scope of control. They happened to you. They happened to me. Some wonderful, some not so much. He superintends us. So somewhere between that sovereign peace and my freedom where I get to choose who I'm going to marry, All right? What I'm going to name my two daughters. And a host of other small and large decisions. God gives us a boatload of freedom and then he superintends us. And somewhere there's these circles and they overlap and there's this mystery between am I free or is God sovereign? And the answer is yes, Absolutely. David wrote these words in Psalm 139. He hems me in behind and before. He hems me in behind. God is behind me and he's before me and he's beside me and he's beneath me and he's above me and he surrounds me. And then he would say, where can I go from your presence? He's over me. And that is very good news. That's very good news. You are superintended today by a fantastic God. But there are some things that he will decree for you that are beyond your control to change. And then this is where the big challenge in the Christian life is this. I will yield to the God who is over me, trusting and believing that he is good. Trusting and believing that he is good. And that he has all the power and that he is present and that he will walk with me even though I go through death's valley, Psalm 23. I will fear no evil because he is with me. This is the truth. This is the good news. All right. So he superintends us. Um, okay. Uh, number, number two. Leaning in so we can hear clearly. Now this is kind of where the rubber hits the road a bit. But I'm going to go after. We, first part of this was we were going after the posture that God adopts when he speaks with us, when he attempts to guide us and influence us for good. Now I'm gonna go after your posture and my posture as it relates to leaning in, to listening, okay? And these are very, very important. I talked to someone last week and they said to me this, they asked me this question. 
Do you think this happened to me because God knew that I needed this experience? Well, that was a big one. Do you think this happened to me because God knew that I needed this experience? Here's how I responded. I said, I hesitate to speak with absolute certainty about all that was in God's mind and heart concerning these matters. But I do know that he redeems everything. And he is committed to growing and maturing us. So in that sense, if it was intended to grow and mature you and he's redeeming it, then we needed it. But at the very beginning, I said, I hesitate to speak with absolute certainty. I don't know what you think about this because in some Christian circles, it's deemed more spiritual to speak with absolute certainty. I think personally, take this. um, No, don't take this with a grain of salt. This is good stuff. (laughs) I think when we speak with absolute certainty about things that are not chapter and verse, we set ourselves and other people up for disappointment and we perhaps run the risk of misrepresenting God. Faith, and I've said this earlier today already, faith is not synonymous with certainty. Faith is about allegiance to God. It's about confidence in God. That's what faith is about. So we can still be fully allegiant, we can have confidence and not be certain about what he's asking us to do. I like the language of perhaps and maybe. I think this is in the notes. And it's about humility. So when we think God has spoken to us and he's guiding us, if we claim it and say, God said this, prior to being able to actually test it, I think we run the risk of setting ourselves up for disappointment at best and at worst, a crisis of faith. So when we lean in, let's lean in with humility and retain the words maybe and perhaps when claiming to have heard from God. So Gamaliel, He's, uh, his story is found in Acts chapter five. Here's what's happening. The apostolic community um, is being used by the spirit. Bodies are being healed. The gospel's being announced. The kingdom is advancing. And the Jewish leaders were not happy. And so they are persecuting the apostolic community, and, but the church keeps growing. Always remember that, by the way. The church grows when she's persecuted. Um, and so they bring uh, the apostles and they, 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 they confront them with this wrongdoing that they've done by speaking about Messiah Jesus, even though people were lining up to grow the way or attach themselves to the way, which was the early church. And Gamaliel, so they said, what are we going to do with these people? Listen to what he says. This is, this is quite wise words here. Acts chapter 5. Therefore, Gamaliel says, in the present case, I advise you. Here's a big principle. Leave these men alone. Let them go. And twice now in this passage, he says, if. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So here's what Gamaliel is saying. Right now, as a Jewish person who has rejected Messiah Jesus, I'm with you. But who knows? Maybe there's more going on here. When it comes to us discerning the ways of God and trying to find the guidance of the Spirit, I think it's good for us to step back with humility and say perhaps and maybe. And then we'll consult a few ways that we can have some checks and balances in our lives so that we move forward responsibly as we continually discern what it is that God might be saying to us. 
But when I feel like God is saying something to me, I usually live in the tension between this is what I think, this is what I feel, this is what I'm hoping. It seems to be as if I think God might be. Do you see the wisdom in that? As opposed to just saying, nope, God said it. If it's chapter and verse, he said it. If it's a dream in the night, not so much. And if it's an impression in the heart or if it's consistent pressure, I seem to, God seems to be moving me in this direction. It just creates a, um, a faith that comes from a, a place of humility. All right, the second part of this when it comes to leaning in is the role of community. Stay connected to a mature circle of trusted friends who love God and who love you. If there's a circle that you belong to and you know these people love God and you know that they love you, you're in a good place. And discernment happens best in community. Remember this in the book of Acts. Um, It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. They made decisions collaboratively, recognizing that God was leading them, not just a a solitary person. So it's always good to put yourselves in a circle and discern with a community. And then finally, this principle is huge. Uh, We've got humility, we've got community, and then we've got proximity. Um, When we are up close and personal to Jesus, um, follow Jesus closely, do what you know, and trust him with what is unknown. Isn't that good? Do what you know and trust him with what still remains unknown. So there's a lot of things that we know already in scripture. Do those things. And the things that are still not quite crystal clear, Trust him with those things. Move forward trusting him that he's good and he loves you. All right, here's the last part. Number three, incredibly practical. This is about paying attention to the Holy Spirit's guiding voice. Um, I've got six here for you, okay? And they're gonna be really quick. Read scripture. And I'm gonna add one word here, responsibly. Um, I, I don't recommend you playing those games where you open the Bible anywhere and put your finger on it and say, this is the Lord's will for me. And you know, Judas went out and hung himself. Do likewise. It's like, no, no, that's not, that's not responsible reading of the text, right? Every text has a context. It's a first century document in the New Testament. In the Older Testament, there's an ancient document with a history and with a story, and, and we need to understand the culture and the genre that we're reading, and this is where the people at the Bible Project do a fantastic job. So read scripture responsibly. This is part of the reason why we gather like this. Not because people like me have all the answers, we don't, but together, collectively, and we recite the Apostles' Creed. Why do we do that when we have communion? It is an ancient summary statement of what the early Christians believed to be true. And if we get away from that, then we've moved away historically from the roots of the Christian faith. And we need to be very, very careful of any movement away from the historical roots of our faith in Jesus. All right, so read scripture responsibly. Pray often. Pray often. Paul says pray continuously. First Thessalonians, pray continuously. It's like the operating system of the heart is always kind of searching for a connection with God. And so when we're confronted with things, there's little sentence prayers, there's little conversation points. We're always kind of orienting everything through the lens of the fact that God is with us. So pray often. Prayer is how we put ourselves more consciously into the presence of God. Listen for promptings. This is what I was talking about earlier. 
Listen for those consistent, gentle nudges that won't leave you alone. And they keep pushing you, gently of course, in the right direction. Remember this, the enemy will harass you, God will come alongside you as a, the Holy Spirit is a counselor. Counselors are not aggressive. Counselors often are just present with us, affirming, understanding, offering to redirect, but gently along the way. This is who our God is. This is the Spirit. So listen for his promptings. Um, and here's a, here's a big one. Remember themes and dreams. He's going to go there with dreams? Yeah. Let's go there. Want to talk about dreams for a few minutes? Remember themes and dreams. All right. I could take an hour on this one, but I will not. Uh, dreams. Anybody had a dream they remembered? You dream often, by the way. He just don't remember them. Some of you do, some of you don't. And there's a whole other conversation around that. But themes and dreams. Um, Sometimes, we looked at this during the Advent series, God speaks very clearly. He directs us through dreams in the night. There's these uh, beautiful Hollywood films that the Spirit uses to get our attention about certain things. They are high-quality movies, aren't they? These dreams are wild. I had a dream the other night. Can I tell you my dream? All right, sure. I'm going to tell you anyway, so... (laughs) Uh, I was sitting in this car, it was an old car, I drive two old cars, but I was in an old car, and I was parked in an underground garage, and there was this big post beside me, Pastor Gary was there for some reason, I I didn't see him, but I knew he was there, and I was sitting on my own, and this dog came walking across, a theme of a dog, coming across the front of the car, and not on my car, but in front of the car, and he had tags on, I was looking for his owner, I was like, no, there's no owner, and that really bothers me when a dog's out and there's no owner. So I'm looking, where's the owner? And then, uh, then the dog was gone. And I'm still sitting in my car. I don't know what I was doing there, but I'm in my car. And um, then all of a sudden, the dog was at my window, scratching at the window. And I said, oh, he's here. So I opened the door up. He licked my face. And, uh, and then I looked at his tag, and I phoned the, the number on it, and I said, I, I think I found your dog. And they said, we don't want that dog. We let him out in the road. You can have him. And I was like, oh, that's not good. I said, well, I'm going to take him home, is what I decided. And then my dream ended. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a cliffhanger, isn't it? It's like, well, what did Pia say? What did the girls say? And, now, there's a lot of things going on here, okay? I, I don't want to go too long on this one because it's about me, but I'm trying to use the principles for you, okay? A day or two ago, I was walking down my path. Actually, it was, uh, I think it might have been actually Friday morning. I was walking down my path by my house, and I saw this dog come up the path, and there was no owner. And I was like, I said to myself, oh no. I like literally, I'm on my own. I said, oh no. I don't like lost dogs. If I see something on a lamppost that says lost dog, it like really bothers me. It's like, how can that dog be lost? I don't want that to happen. So I noticed this dog and then another dog. And I looked at and here comes this man up the, up the path. I was like, whew, that's good. I'm glad the dog has, has a master. Riley sends me, uh, you know, three or four times a week, um, notices of dogs needing adopting. I got another one this morning, and it's like, I'm, I'm discerning the message, right? Uh, but she sends us all, and, and not just me, to the whole family. We have our alarmer posting there, so she puts it in. And then she always says, did you see the dog this morning? I was like, yeah, I saw the dog this morning, right? And, and, uh, and then I talk to my mom after the dream, and she says to me, oh, I've been praying. I've been praying with a friend that you'll come across a dog that needs a home. I said, wow. So... Here's where I'm at, okay? I saw the dog without a master, troubled me. 
Sometimes dreams, and we'll get into this in just a second from a psychological point of view. I'm seeing the dog, it's concerning, looking for the master, right? Riley's sending me Instagram things. And then now I share this, and my mom says, oh, I've been praying. So now I'm conflicted. I've got unconscious stuff going on here, and then I've got spiritual stuff happening. I've got a lower floor and an upper floor. Here's what psychologists say about dreams. And hold on, because it's spiritual. It'll end spiritual. It won't sound spiritual, but it is going to end spiritual. There is a, let's call it a doorkeeper. I read this beautiful book by a doctor in theology and a um, doctor in psychology. Beautiful mix. Um, In the unconscious and the conscious, there is, we'll call him a doorkeeper. He separates the unconscious from the conscious. And we have all these experiences throughout the day. Some trouble us, some exhilarate us, but we have these experiences. And we go to bed at night, and some of them are not processed or not processed well. And so we haven't digested them, we haven't worked them through. They perhaps might be troubling to us in some way. And while we're sleeping at night, we are masterpieces, by the way. Our subconscious tiptoes past the doorkeeper and now says, this is our chance to get his attention. Let's put a little movie together and see if we can get him to think about the things he's not thinking about. And then the movies happen, and it's like, oh, my word, I need 3D glasses. These are wild films. So we're looking for the themes in our dreams because the subconscious is trying to get our attention. Now, if you're a Jesus follower here, guess what? You have a Holy Spirit who lives in you. You have a sanctifying spirit who lives in you. Now it's not just unconscious conscious. You've got a divine tutor who's putting the films together. And he's saying, I'm going to invite you to consider this movie I just put together and to discern my ways for not just your life but for the lives of others. And so if we pay attention to the themes and the dreams, it can be a powerful way of making adjustments in our lives as God wants to form us more and more into his image and into his likeness. Guidance can happen from dreams in the night. Can I get an amen? Amen. So stay tuned. There are dogs out there and there are things happening. (laughs) And uh, the Lord will will guide along the way. Um, And then last two ones. Walk circumspectly, present moment awareness, and pay attention to all the things going on in your life. If we are always somewhere else, I remember, I don't remember who actually did this, but you know the letters N-O-W-H-E-R-E? What does it spell? Nowhere. Now, if you put a space between the W and the H, what do you have? Now here. So you can be nowhere, or you can be now here, depending if you carve out some space in your life. So slowing down, quieting your soul, making space causes you to be present now here. Humans generally are back there in regret or out here with fear and concern. Let's make some space, be present in the moment. It'll help us recognize all the things going on and and help us to, to pay more close attention. All right, and the last one is, I've already mentioned, consult with trusted friends. If you're at a place in your life where you're just saying, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, and you'll probably be there more than you, you want to acknowledge, talk to good, godly people who will not tell you what to do, but who will walk with you and help you gain clarity. By the way, one last caution here. The guiding voice of the Spirit. There are moments in Scripture where people are directed, you know, by a person, 
but it's not that common. Be very careful when somebody else tries to direct your life, when somebody else tries to guide you to do what they think you should do. You have the Holy Spirit. He can speak to you. He can put something in your heart. He can consistently, gently add the pressure to move you accordingly. He can superintend you. Don't let somebody else live their life vicariously through you. Because when it's all over, you're left holding the bag of your life, right? They're well-intentioned, but sometimes a little over the top. So discern, listen, pay attention. Maybe there's a voice within a voice when you're speaking with others. And I would also say to those who have a tendency to be a little bit more on the aggressive side because of your personality, back off a little bit and make some space for other people so that they can discern the voice of God in their own life.